Hey everybody, Tyler here. Uh, so the deal with this episode, we recorded it a few weeks ago uh, to use on a rainy day, and uh, David happens to be out of town right now. So that's uh, so if we make some dated references during this episode, that's why. I uh, also wanted to talk to you about the donation drive. Uh, when last we talked about it, we didn't really announce any prizes or anything. Uh, we have we okay. We've got so many prizes coming in that we've decided we're going to have five. Uh, prize packages, not just three, so uh, you have more chance to win. But here's some of the prizes. Uh, ju- this isn't all of them, but just off the off the top of my head, I have a list in front of me, so it's really not that. Uh, the DVD, Paul F. Tompkins, You Should Have Told Me. Uh, Stephen Tobolowski's Birthday Party, which is signed by Stephen Tobolowski. Uh, the Oscar-nominated short film, Kavi, signed by uh, Greg Helvey. Uh, the DVD, Reservations, directed by a friend of the show, Jason Eakin, and starring me. Uh, the Tick Season 1, uh, signed by Townsend Coleman. Uh, we've got some comedy CDs for you. We've got Graham Elwood's The, Co- uh, the Comedian's Got a Boo Boo, which is signed. Uh, Matt Belknap has generously donated uh, the AST EP3 pack, which features uh, comedy by Paul F. Tompkins, Greg Proops, and Dan Telfer. Uh, there are books. There's The Coffee Break Screenwriter by Pilar Alessandra. There's uh, Pacify Me, signed by Chris Mancini. And then on top of all that, uh, Jimmy Pardo and uh, Matt Belknap have uh, very generously donated uh, seasons one through five of Never Not Funny, along with season eight. So uh, that's very exciting. That's hours upon hours of entertainment. Uh, and yeah, and there's more. There's going to be more coming in. And so there's a lot of things that uh, that you could win. We don't yet know how we're going to split up the five prize packages. But uh, basically, here's how you uh, enter to win them. You, there are a few, few options with the donation. There's the one-time donation, uh, in which case you need to donate $5 or more to, uh, for your name to be entered. And then there's the donation subscription, uh, which, I'll be honest with you, is what we prefer. Uh, it's a certain amount of money taken out every month for a year. Uh, last year we only had the $2 monthly subscription. We have several more now. Uh, there's the $4, $6, $10, 12 and 16 Now I realize very few people are going to want to donate $16 a month, but if you are feeling uh, you know, eccentric and generous and perhaps a little drunk, then uh, by all means, uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, but basically if you sign up for any uh, donation subscription, your name will be uh, entered into the, uh, the drawing. Uh, I will say that I think our preference, if you you know, if uh, if you want to really support the show, our preference would be the four dollar monthly subscription. That way, it doesn't uh, break the ba- uh, break the bank for you, but that comes to basically a dollar an episode. And you know, if we got twenty five people uh, paying for that, then you know we make uh, a nice amount of money for the show um, per month. And, uh, you know, we're always trying to do new things. As you can see, uh, we updated the website, and that, of course, costs money. Uh, We do host as many shows as we can in the archive. Uh, So we don't, we pay so that we can make those available to you and don't have to take down any of the older ones. So, uh, yeah, if you felt like being nice and generous, uh, go ahead and go with that $4 donation or more, if you like. A $4 subscription is what I meant to say. Um, but yeah, it's any, any subscription will get your name entered and, uh, for the one-time donation, $5 or more, will also get your name entered. And then we will be announcing, um, 
the winners of the various prize packages uh, in mid-April. So uh, thanks, everybody, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. How you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry? Thank you for listening, David. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to do it different every time, and that's usually where it comes out. <laughs> but you know for a fact, I'm the one person you know for a fact doesn't listen to this podcast. Are you talking about while we record it or afterwards? At any point. There you go. <laughs> so, David. I'm not paying attention right now. David, You're I. You're going to have to tap me on the knee when it's my turn to speak, because I'm zoning out three, two, now. With with a pen, like in Good Night and Good Luck. Um, well, David, I don't know how you're doing, but I'm excited, and I'll tell you why. Why is that? Uh, because I'm going to let you explain who our guest is, because uh, you know more about him than I do. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, we have a guest. I am excited yes, about that. Yes, we have a guest. And um, I know more about him because I am more plugged in to the community that we are a part of than you are. That's true. I have nothing but contempt for that community. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm joking. Sort of. <laughs> so, um, our guest, um, if you if you know badassdigest.com, if you've listened to if you've listened to three episodes of the Criterion Cast, <laughs> you've probably heard this guy at least twice. He's 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 sort of he's like their uh, Al Roker, I think. Uh, you're you're going to go and Roker me? <laughs> yeah, like right off the bat, you're going to Roker me. I'm, L- ladies and gentlemen, the voice you're hearing I'm is Moses Chulin. I'm I'm, I'm going to drop the mic. I'm out of here. <laughs> How about Tony Randall? Tony Randall, I'll take. Okay, I'll take absolutely. that. I'll take that to the bank. <laughs> Tony Randall, I'll take. Now there's there's another T-shirt. Um, now uh, our guest has. What's I'm sure true? people have have commented before. Um, I enjoy saying your name. It's a lot of fun, and it's uh, it's, a, it's like a carnival game. You never know. You never know where you're gonna hit a bingo and win a big stuffed animal. <laughs> well, stuffed you know, animal I, being you. I realize of that I only pronounce your name the way that I've heard Ryan Gallagher of the Criterion Cast pronounce it, which which is generally incorrect. Will you say it correctly? Uh, it's Moises Chuyan. Oh. The last name in particular is really difficult to nail because it's half Cantonese and half Spanish. Right. Man. Uh, my grandfather was Cantonese, emigrated from China to Cuba in the 20s, uh-huh. and decided, you know what? The Chinese are persecuted in Cuba, and to, for for American sensibilities, I guess you would say they're the Mexicans of Cuba, uh, as as Mexicans are treated as as immigrants in the United States. Right. And so he said, "Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to adopt a Spanish first name. I'm going to be called Jose now. I don't even know what my grandfather's Chinese first name was. <laughs> uh-huh. He just eliminated it from the record, and he added a Spanish language suffix, including the double L character that Americans have trouble." pronouncing in the first place well see if you're from st louis missouri like i am not exactly home to a great mexican population but there hey, is that mexican population is absolutely i meant great, great in scope oh size. okay um but there is a chain of mexican restaurants unique to st louis called casa gallardo so people from st louis know how to do the double l because oh. <laughs> that's where they go to get their the guacamole made right at the table for them so, listeners, here's the deal. When you go to Badass Digest, and I guess if you talk to it, well, this doesn't make sense now because it's all emails and things that are written. But if you ever find yourself having to talk to the guest, uh, it is pronounced 
Moises. Chuyan. Chuyan. All right. All Very right. exciting. And, uh, I wrote for Jeffrey Wells at Hollywood Elsewhere for five years, and he never got either name right. <laughs> I didn't care. He said, yeah, yeah whatever. I'm calling because of this. Um, <laughs> now I'll have more to say about Hollywood Elsewhere in a bit. Uh-oh. But I do want to say, in preparation for the episode, I looked up your... Uh, now, you don't write for Hollywood Elsewhere, Elsewhere anymore, is that correct? Nope. But there is an existing bio on their website for you. and There is. It contains a tidbit that I now I already was a fan of your writings and your opinions, but there's and, a I, and I appreciate that the checks in the mail. <laughs> well, that's actually plays into it. There's a tidbit here in your bio that you once wrote a review for a website for the movie Hustle and Flow, I and d- then refused yes. to be paid for it. Yes. You denied your paycheck because the editor changed the title of the review to "Do the Hustle." Yes, do the hustle <laughs> with apostrophes, not even quotation marks, apostrophes. That reminds me of a story. Uh, that, 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 is, that is integrity. Uh, this guy's got integrity to spare. Okay, the very because, first... Because I wrote a review of Hustle and Flow. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's all I needed to do. The very first, <laughs> the very first uh, review I ever wrote, uh, like in any kind of official way, was for my high school newspaper, and it was for the film Spawn. All right? I wrote maybe a little five, five or six paragraph thing. Probably was not very well written. But I really took a long time on it, and I really like wanted to craft it and, and kind of capture the tone of Spawn. God help me! It's a supernatural black exploitation classic. <laughs> that's, man, why weren't you around in, in 1997? <laughs> that, that's at, the review. That's all at you Ponderosa need. High School. That wasn't the title of your review. Supernatural no. black exploitation classic. No, here's okay. So I take the time to really put. I put a lot of time into this review, and then the editors of the high school paper, which were just high schoolers, and they would always. Uh, lay everything out and then they would come up with the headlines themselves and they would do it until probably about six in the morning mm-hmm. and so they were by the time they got around to my article and what to call it they uh they were feeling kind of punchy so they came up with a joke headline and it just stayed and so the headline for my carefully crafted article was grr it's spawn <laughs> <laughs> that was the name, the title of my first article <laughs> that's that sounds like a, a really bad local news segment like grr with you know, Officer Rolf. <laughs> and they actually have Rolf from the Muppets <laughs> dressed up as a policeman commenting on various uh, social events. I was yeah. very upset. If I can use this quick, we'll get back to, to Moises in a second. Uh, did I say it right there? You got okay. it. Um, if I can use this quick opportunity to plug our blog, because we've been going strong for a month or so now. And uh, Tyler is the editor-in-chief, I guess, of the blog. Yes. Um and he's very good at coming up with the names to the reviews because I wrote one for Brad Anderson's Vanishing on on Seventh Street. Um, not a, not it's kind of a disappointment as a film, I have to I have to say. But I couldn't think of a clever title, so I just sent it off to Tyler to post, and I said I'll think of a title title tomorrow. Completely forgot of it, forgot it. Yeah. And he came up with one, which the title is Watch Your Tone. If you read the review, it's perfect. I never would have come up with that. Way to go, Tyler. Yeah, it's exhausting. I really wish you guys would start sending me titles. Uh, because Stop being so good at them. Nine times out of ten, it's just like, all right. Uh, I'll, if I've seen the film, then it's like, all right. Memorable quote from the film, adapted to my purposes. Like when, when Daniel wrote about first watching uh, Star Wars A New Hope uh-huh. for the first time you know, at age like you know, 19 or 20. And not particularly caring for it. And my, my title was... Uh, uh, I had a bad feeling about this, or something <laughs> like this. And uh, and but then he came around, loved Empire Strikes Back, and so 
it is useless to resist. That's, <laughs> you know, all these, just take your, anybody who does this, just just go with movie quotes and then adapt <laughs> them for what you need it to be. SEO. SEO. I don't know what that means. Search engine optimization. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My <laughs> wife has explained it to me, and I think she might have gotten as frustrated as you just did at my not knowing what it was. I didn't get frustrated at all. It's, I, uh, it seemed like you <laughs> did. We, we've, got, we've got something special. <laughs> we shouldn't deny it. It's, it's there. It's, it, it's, it's out there. Just let it happen. Fair enough. All right. Okay, like I said, I would, I'll, I'll return to Hollywood Elsewhere because it'll, it'll segue into the actual topic nicely. But now, well, let's t- tell people uh, what, what, uh, what are your qualifications. What right do you have to be writing and talking about movies? Oh, none whatsoever. <laughs> okay. I mean, there, there are no inalienable rights when it comes to movie writing. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, ain't that the truth. It's, you know, you, you write what you want. That's, that's the, the internet put that option out there for everybody, and there it is. Um. And how did you come to be doing it? When I was in college, I was a, I was a student programmer at Florida State. Um, I, I was uh, running the campus film series in various different capacities and um, was, uh, was interested in, in getting, getting some stuff out there. I'd send in some, some anonymous you know, pseudonym-attached reviews to Ain't It Cool News uh, mm-hmm. when I'd gone to a few festivals. And at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I I know this this guy that runs Hollywood elsewhere and I, I dig his perspective and he's he's really unvarnished with the way that he 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 uh, he works with stuff and he's not interested in just being pals with everybody and just frankly just fine pissing everybody off that he possibly can <laughs> um, and uh, and at a certain point he he put out uh, a call for you know submissions people that were interested and had a particular take and a and a, and a slant to a column that they wanted to put on his site there was no pay involved. But it was complete editorial free reign. You know, you could you could have whatever take you want, cover cover whatever you wanted, as long as he found it interesting. Then he'll consider it and and see about putting you on. So myself and about six other people had columns that were going, and uh, and with my background in web design and web architecture, I was doing some tech stuff just to help out as kind of a volunteering effort, make myself look good. And so I was fixing and nipping and tucking different people's column designs and their artwork Mm. and all that. And after a while, I was kind of the only one that was regularly even updating once a week, Mm -hmm. let alone once a month. And so I was, I was going through and I was kind of getting the kill order of get rid of this jackass, get rid of this person. They're a slacker. (laughs) They're not doing anything. They're not responding to emails. Um, and for the longest time, I was the only sub-columnist on Hollywood Elsewhere. But mm-hmm. because all of my content was off of the main page, a lot of people who read Jeff's stuff regularly didn't, know, didn't even know that I existed. Um, but I, I kind of used that sandbox to um, put together content that I found interesting and, and started pursuing stuff that I didn't see anybody else covering mm-hmm. that I was interested in and I wanted to know more about or perspective that I had that I didn't think was getting out there. Um, one of the things that I like to like to champion was taking a look at the way that things were playing in Tallahassee, Florida, which to a lot of people is just a nowhere town. It's it's a sub major market. Mm-hmm. It's the capital of Florida. Though, it right? is the capital of Florida, <laughs> where lots of crazy stuff happens. Um, but uh, you know, I would pay attention to to how packed the the screens would be for something like Hustle and Flow. It's a really good mm-hmm. example, actually, where it played to amazing per screen averages in Tallahassee and a lot of other markets. And it mysteriously got pulled off of a bunch of screens three weeks into its run while it was outperforming stuff that was brand new into theaters. And, you know, I was writing up articles about how I feel like, the, you know, the per screen average and the, you know, the, the box office gross 
reporting that that goes out there is something that you know I don't I don't know if the studios are intentionally misleading people. Far be it for me to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like people people were getting an impression of what was actually good and what was actually popular based on what was on two thousand screens consistently. And as right. things would be you know pulled back in favor of some CG animated kids movie with animals in it. Um, you know, something would be looked at as a minor success like Hustle and Flow rather than pretty much a breakout success when you look at, you know, the budget that they Mm -hmm. did it on and how well it was selling when people could actually go out and find it. Um, And so I I kind of took the position of, you know, putting into my writing what I wished more people were putting out. And over the years, I found that people started kind of ripping off the take that I had on things and just kind of, pulling out a thesaurus on on various parts of it and mimicking even even some of the terminology that I would use with different things, mm-hmm. not really knowing what they were talking about. And uh, so that's that's how I became a cranky old man on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't... Um, you no longer, as, I, as we said before, you no longer write for Hollywood Elsewhere. How did you come to be involved with uh, BadassDigest.com and the Alamo Drafthouse? Uh, well, I, I'd known the Alamo Drafthouse guys for a number of years as a regular patron of the theater. At a certain point, you moved from yeah. Tallahassee. I, I moved from Tallahassee to, to Austin in 2007 mm-hmm. uh, to work for Apple, uh, doing a lot of uh, stuff involving assassinations and <laughs> all kinds of black ops stuff. Um, wet work. Wet work, you know. Uh, I was... Uh, I was I was a patron of the theater as a as a local after having you know been a fan of it since experiencing it at my first South by Southwest a number of years before as a student programmer and um, I'd always wanted to have something to do with the Alamo Drafthouse world of things mm-hmm. and for a long time I'd felt like that 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 is the answer to America's ex- movie exhibition problem. Now, real quick, uh, for those that don't know, um, perhaps we should explain what the Alamo Drafthouse is okay well let's leave that up to go right ahead to yeah. well the best the person associated the with best that. thing known to man naturally oh, okay. <laughs> but um so the alma draft house um it's a movie theater it's a restaurant it's both things at the same time so rather than go to dinner and then a movie or movie and then dinner you can have both at the same time you order at your table there are a number of, of chains that do this but we've been doing it for 13 years mm-hmm. um a lot of these startups are saying oh we're pioneering this stuff you know or they've been around for two or three years and they're they're trying to take credit for uh, popularizing it, but we've we've been consistently the brand behind the cinema eatery concept that's really taken it and evolved it. Um, so you can order a bucket of beer at your at your seat in the movie, and mm-hmm. you can order a pizza or a, you know uh, some sort of a like a steak special or whatever's on the menu that month. Or you know if we're doing Scott Pilgrim versus the World, we'll have like a vegan friendly option because mm-hmm. of the vegan friendly content of the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know um, that it, there's vegan content in Scott Pilgrim. I don't know that it's entirely vegan friendly. Well, <laughs> it kind of pokes fun. It's kind of vegan hostile. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, but you know, long story short, you you can you can combine those experiences, and there's a little bit of added value there. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike other chains, you know, you don't have to pay an extra surcharge on your ticket price just because you're in a theater that you can order food in which some okay. of the major chains are introducing in some of their concepts. Mm-hmm. But the the big thing that, that sets the draft house aside, uh, uh, apart from all of the other chains is we have an extremely well-founded uh, repertory program mm-hmm. that does, does things from every genre and every part of cinema history. I mean, you can go in on a Sunday night and see uh, uh, a showing of uh, Some Came Running, uh, 
that uh, that has a discussion afterward with Richard Linklater. Oh wow! And then you can go in the next night and see uh, um, a um, Jim Jarmusch movie uh, for Music Monday. Uh-huh. Uh, a regular series that we do every week that has some sort of a music bent to it, whether it's a music doc or it's a, a movie like most of Jarmusch's movies that have a really strong soundtrack or, or musical undercurrent to them. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, Terror Tuesday, where at midnight on Tuesdays we'll show these obscure horror movies that have some crazy kill in them or particularly notable for one reason or another. There's 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 one of those for just about every... Uh, really interesting type of cinema that's out there, and you you really can't go to another theater and get that kind of variety in the programming, hmm. and have a meal, and have a meal, and get tanked on six beers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. In, I, I apologize. I interrupted uh, your explanation uh, to elab- You know, to have you elaborate on that, uh, and I now I don't remember where we were. Uh, I was saying, it. how did you come to? How did oh, you come yeah. to work for right, right. So, um, well, I mean, I, I'd known I known those guys for a while. I'd been in touch with with Tim Lee, the CEO, mm-hmm. the guy that ran the whole show for for a while, and just kind of out of nowhere, um, from the home video coverage that I was doing, I had made contact with uh, somebody at a at kind of a, a specialty distributor that does a bunch of East Asian stuff, and I said, "Hey, uh, they've got a couple of movies that are showing at Fantastic Fest, and." I was talking to their marketing director, and, and she said they might have you know some money they want to throw at a party or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, here, talk to talk to this lady that does uh, sponsorship for for the festival, and get some paperwork done. And, you know, if you want, maybe maybe you can fill in some holes and and take advantage of some of the contacts that you have, and you know, make yourself some money, and you know, we'll see where it goes. And uh, and very quickly, I found myself caught up in." In, uh, in the world that I'd kind of always wanted to be a part of, helping put together these events. And, you know, I was I was kind of handed the project of, all right, so here's the number for Roger Corman's office. Uh, mm-hmm. We would like to give him and his wife a Lifetime Achievement Award. Make that happen, please. Um, on top of the kind of the more de rigueur, hey, give us X thousand dollars and we'll attach your company to this party and we'll give out your, like, drink koozies or whatever. Hmm. Um and uh, and it, we were building up to the launch of Badass Digest as a new thing. It was very tightly under wraps. Everybody knew that Devin had left Chud, but nobody knew what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I had the blogging background, and in particular in the home video space, and we didn't really have somebody for that, um, Tim said, well, I mean, if you want to contribute to it, get with Devin and see what, uh, see what he wants wants you to do and see what you can contribute, you know, uh, with with your other duties as a priority, but you know, do this. So uh, I let Jeff know, hey, so you know, my new boss wants me to write for this new site, and he's like, well, then go with God, be merry, and do whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I did, and uh, and here I am. All right, on Battleship Pretension, on Battleship <laughs> Pretension in lovely now, Los Angeles. Now, this past year, the Alamo Draft House branched out uh, into distribution. With the film Four Lions, which those who listened last week know was my number five, I think. Uh, It was number five. Or possibly a few weeks ago. Uh, You did check? I checked. I checked. I checked. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't know when this episode is going up. If you listen to our... our Sometime in the distant past. Yes. uh, Four Lions was my number five. Um that's I I I mean I, I it sounds like you don't have a lot to do with the distribution wing, but that's got to be a thing. That's I got a, it. It's our rating. Really? Yeah. 
That's nice. Yeah, I've officially dealt with the MPAA. That's oh. nice. It was a lovely process. They were wonderful people. It was smooth as butter. Um, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> I have to assume that you are. Neither can I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a great first film to launch uh, a brand in, in terms of distribution, and it's got to be it's got to be something that you're proud to be associated with. I yeah, I mean, I, I saw it. I saw it at South by Southwest last year and thought it was absolutely brilliant. I didn't know why anybody hadn't picked it up already, and then months and months went by and nobody had. And you know, in in the same meeting that I kind of got the yeah go 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 forth and get Roger and Julie Corman, I was. Uh, and Badass Digest is going to happen. I was also told, so we're also going to get into distribution. And I said, what next? Are you going to start making ice cream? <laughs> I mean, is there an amusement park? What's what's happening next? Uh, and he said, I bought four lines. And I said, you're the one who did it. I knew somebody did. Somebody had to have bought that. Um, and the the strategy going forward is is finding finding movies that are the right fit. And, you know... Immediately, tons of speculation went out as to, oh, so you guys are going to go bid up against the Weinsteins and Fox Searchlight, and you know you're going to try to pick up movies with Natalie Portman in them and stuff. And mm-hmm. that's that's not the initial intent at all. It's it's really about stuff that that we think that we can open. We think we've you know we've we've got a handle on how we can you know actually make some money with it and get it seen. More importantly. Because there are a lot of movies that you know, maybe they maybe they get a decent check for getting picked up by a distributor, but people don't end up actually seeing them. And with our wealth of experience in the exhibition business, you know, if it takes four walling it in in a particular market to get it there, then and we think we can actually make money on it doing that, then we will. We'll mm-hmm. pay to rent the theater space and make out like bandits because Lord knows enough people have seen Nomeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Um, okay, so this brings me to we, I'll go. I said uh, I'll go back to Hollywood Elsewhere in the name of your column. Oh, there, we Hollywood go. Elsewhere. There we go. You really well done, did your research. <laughs> well, no, I actually read that when you what? were uh, wow when you were writing it. Um, you and you and six other people. Well, because um, you were the first time I first became aware of you uh, through the Criterion Cast, and uh, you were talking about how you were doing. Uh, like a pretty much a complete uh, Yasujiro Ozu, the Ozu thing retrospective. Oh man! And so I, that's why I, st- I started reading I, it. I have missed that thing. Yeah, um, but the name of the column was Art House Cowboy. Yeah, and we were talking. I mean, we were talking before we started recording, and and um, and certainly this is a topic that Tyler and I talk about a lot. We've had people like uh, you know good friends of ours like Dave Chen on the show, and we've been on his show, mm-hmm. um, and we've also been on. Criterion cast. And we feel like there's a, we, we, as we were saying earlier. Well, but you've never been on the Tobolowski file, so you're still you're we, not no, quite you're not quite there yet. We have Tobolowski on, here, Tobolowski on our I, show. Yeah, I know, and I hate you for that. I'm <laughs> I am I am a huge Tobolowski fan. He also did um, our. We're both from Dallas. He did one of our live shows. Yeah. Um, and told a story like so we got to see a story that would later be on the Tobolowski files in its sort of. Uh, um, you got it uncut pupa form. Yeah, it was pretty solid. It's it larval pretty great. form. Um, Okay, so anyway, um, Art House Cowboy, Art House Cowboy, and then you know we've we've been on Slash Filmcast, we've been on Criterioncast, and we're a part of this community. There's an there's an online film community and just a film fan community in general. Although outside of the internet, it's kind of hard to find other people in the community because 
films are something that you go and sit in a dark room and watch and don't talk to people. So it's uh, it, it can be difficult. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a digression. Um, it seems like there are different strains. It seems like there are people like the Art House Cowboy and the and the Criterion cast, and then there are other blogs that are, and, the, and they're covering different kinds of movies. And I want to make it clear right now that I'm not picking one or the other over the other or judging, but we just kind of want to talk about the divide between what could uh, sort of derogatorily be referred to as the fanboy mm. film fans and then the art film or uh, literary or highbrow kind of the fans. Kind of the division between Thor's hammer is shiny, <laughs> new picture, exclusive. Right. Versus Kenneth Branagh directing superhero movie. How will he apply his experience with the three and a half hour Hamlet yeah. to this superhero <laughs> but epic? That's, that's I like even that you better. did that because you made both of them sound pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's, yeah, uh, they, they could both be just as bad or good as one another. That's even better than what I'm talking about because you're at least talking about the same film. What mm. I, I think what I often see is that um, over here there's a group of people who are going to review and discuss Faster, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And then there's another group of... Oh, he's just The Rock now. He's back on the wrestling Oh, is he back thing. to I'm The told, Rock? I'm told by my wrestling fan friends that he is he's back full force into wrestling. Oh, wow. Because I guess The Tooth Fairy wasn't a franchise. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> no, no. He's, he's, he is, uh, my friend John Golson, who writes for Cinematical, very effusively was, was on Twitter the other day talking about how he's, he's going to host WrestleMania. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I might, wow, I'm kind of interested in watching WrestleMania now. It's yeah. kind of, it's well, in The Tooth Fairy, he played a hockey player, which at this point, I think the NHL is less popular than professional wrestling. I have no, I have no concept of sports, <laughs> so uh, I, I, although I might have more, uh, I might be more plugged into the sports community than I am the uh, online film community, <laughs> but um, that actually kind of bums me out. I, uh, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I actually like... He's the rock. I mean... He's pretty... We, like, can, we can give this guy like five minutes, I think. He's, he's a very... <laughs> I thought he, I always thought he was a very charismatic actor who yeah. really like... Like, that's what you want in your action hero. He can deliver a line, and he can... You believe that he can do all these uh, horrifying things to villains. I always really... I love the rundown. Yeah, I mean, and, for, for me, speaking of the rundown, I mean, he gets that pat on the back from Arnold in that movie... Oh, yeah. And I really, I really, with with uh, better better content to pair with him, mm-hmm. I think he really could have uh, could have quite substantively, you know, taken the crown of the king of all action. But you know, they they paired him up with stuff like the Tooth Fairy that you know it, it was okay, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll give it credit; it was all right. But it was literally a twenty five year old Arnold Schwarzenegger script that they never made with Arnold because he was like, no, I want to do this other thing. Uh-huh. Well, and also he had like. The Rock had not yet quite been. I don't think he. I don't think he had been associated with serious action movies long enough that for him to be in this, it's like, oh, how what an interesting thing, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in like Kindergarten Cop or something like that, where that was interesting because this tough guy, the freaking Terminator who killed the Predator, um, as a commando, uh, like he, oh, look at him in this family film, how unusual, like. For The Rock, it happened almost immediately. Yeah, and there so, was that, and there was the one where he's a football player. Grid, uh, the, wait, the Gridiron game plan? Gang? The game plan. The game plan. And then there's Gridiron Gang, where he's a... Uh, or he's a coach or something? A coach I don't to, know. like... Uh, I didn't see any of these movies, but I know all of their <laughs> titles, except for The Tooth Fairy. I saw that. 
I didn't see that. I did not see that. That's really uh, fascinating. But um, but yeah, and so I. Uh, it's a shame that if if he is like not necessarily retiring from film, uh, but like if he's focusing more on the wrestling thing, I feel like uh, I feel like we all lose something. I I do too because I you know I'm I'm not sure what action film is going to do without him. I mean I know your your beloved governor is is now back in the film game. Right. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> Terminator Terminator Five. The Five Null Frontier. Or what, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to call another Terminator movie. They'll make one. People are saying, no, we have to stop it. Like it's, you know, we have to stop fascism in Libya. No, we got, we're not going to stop another Terminator movie. <laughs> and we can just, we can just try is, to influence it to the, for the better. This is uh, pra- pra- practically a mantra, a mantra for me at this point. But even the people who say they shouldn't make a fifth one, if they make it, those people will all go see it. And that's because right. and are. there are a lot of problems with it. And let me start point A. <laughs> Uh, they should have not done the motorcycle robots because <laughs> that was totally selling out and total bullshit. See, here's what I like what you just did, David. You brought us back to the topic, and I didn't get a chance to say that I once parked in McGee's, not once, several times parked in McGee's parking space on Warner Brothers. I'm not supposed to do that, but I had a delivery to make. You parked <laughs> in the McSpace? <laughs> um, okay, what I'm saying is that it seems like there's a certain segment of the film fan community that is excited for a new film starring the rock and there's a certain segment that's excited for a new film that's been photographed by christopher doyle and (laughs) there's not i I don't know if there's an overlap uh or 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 a divide and i don't know if there should be um i think there probably shouldn't be to me i feel like i really appreciate the talents of dwayne the rock johnson johnson sorry uh, and I also he's really, there drinky, yeah. <laughs> just, just try to like the movies. <laughs> um, Rock. And I also really appreciate the talents of uh, drunken Irish madman uh, cinematographer Christopher Doyle. <laughs> uh, and I don't feel like I value one over the other, but but I but well, I, mean, I do feel like there that, is a divide. That that reminds me of kind of the the, the mantra that that my boss Tim has about movies is I mean he 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 likes good movies. You know, yes, mm-hmm. he will he will uh, lose his mind. You know, buying everybody around a beers at a midnight screening of Crank Two, because mm-hmm. Crank Two is is a, an insane cinematic experience that deserves celebration. But at the same time, he will be the first person in line for a repertory screening of The Red Shoes, mm-hmm. um, and that like that that kind of universality to to cinema loving is is what I'm really into and. You know, if there's a divide, I think I think a lot of it comes from people saying, "You know what? I've decided that I don't like this kind of movie," mm-hmm. and this kind of movie can be totally different things. I mean, it can be, um, I, I you know, I, I'm 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 friends with Glenn Kenny, who is one of the most notorious art snobs out there, and mm-hmm. I love him for it uh, because he really knows his shit. Um, you know, I I I love that. He, even as kind of a, an, an effete art snob, can also appreciate just really great trash. Um, but then there are folks that that kind of take that same bent where they, you know, they talk about grain structure and picture quality and they talk about, you know, the ebb and flow of Jean-Paul Belmondo's career and they'll they'll just turn their nose up at something that even remotely reeks of being on more than 50 screens. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. I feel like the divide comes 
sadly comes more from the camp that I tend to be more associated with, which is the the art film snob. I, I think uh, a person is more likely to yeah turn their nose up, uh, to use your terminology, uh, at a bigger movie than say a genre fan. Genre fans don't spend a lot of time at, like bitching about the career of Manuel de Overa or or or. Uh, I'm trying to think of another obscure, <laughs> obscure foreign filmmaker whose films are very talky, but uh, you know Eric Romare or whatever. Um, they don't, they don't spend the time with the argument. It seems like it's the snobs who can't well, I mean, I, necessarily live side by side with the genre fans. I'd, I'd almost say that there's kind of a flip side to it, where I see a lot of guys in the fanboy set that will very openly just lose their minds because there's another picture of Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law with, you know, with, with dirt on their faces in a trench somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, and, oh, my God, this poster looks amazing. Look at that Captain America shield. It's so shiny. I want one. I want 12 of it. I want all the toys and all of the statues and all of the posters. And then I'll take them all down and replace them with something else the yeah. next week. I see those same guys going to festivals like Sundance and Con and putting on airs of being some sort of like art house cinema snob who totally understands what Jean-Luc Godard was going after with film socialisme. <laughs> and they have maybe never seen a Godard movie in their life or they've seen a couple of scenes from Band of Outsiders because they know that Tarantino likes it. Right. Um and so I, I, it's, I think it's something that if, if we're going with a given of there being a divide, that the two sides of the divide, one of them wears it proudly on their sleeve and the other kind of puts on this appreciation for things that they don't have and they use that as justification for sneering at things that they think are no good, like art films that they just don't get. Uh-huh. So they, they put on they put on a little bit of that expertise mask, and then when something comes around that they just don't get, then they just go nuts on it. You know, they'll say, "Oh, I totally yeah, Blue Valentine, I totally understand it and love it, and I'm awesome BFFs with the director, and <laughs> because he said hello to me twice." Um, and then all of a sudden they know everything about mumblecore movies, or they know everything about micro budget indies with somewhat familiar Hollywood faces in them. Um, and, and we'll just shit on stuff in 4,000 word screeds, mm-hmm. you know, because their girlfriend broke up with them the night before or something. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's been, it's been kind of terrifying looking into the gaping maw of the film blogger world and seeing how, how these people are reacting to stuff and how they're just utterly rejecting certain things with, with what seems like very, very little substantiation on either side of things. Whether it's, oh God, another Iron Man movie. Why do we need this? You know, uh-huh. here's a 5,000 word dissertation on why it's terrible. And it's it's interesting because um, because in a way I feel like we're almost touching on something that David, you and I have have talked about several times. I don't know if we've devoted a whole episode to it, but I know that it has come up before. Uh, but we've actually come up with a specific name for it, which is snobs and geeks. Right. That was our. That was how we. Yeah, we didn't do a whole episode, but we did right. break it down at some point. Like, there's geeks and there's snobs. And of course, and neither of those are the casual movie fan. There are people that are very interested in film. Sometimes it's a certain type of film, but whatever. Um, and we have 
at times talked about because I think you and I do probably fall into the snob camp, um, mm-hmm. and so in doing so, we we probably were overly negative about the people that fall into the geek uh, camp. But um, but I, yeah, I was going to say that like the idea of this divide of this like almost an us versus them mentality, and both sides saying they're the ones ruining it with their attitude, whatever that attitude might be. Um, but I think it probably. I think it probably did start with us because if we didn't, if we the snobs didn't by us you mean snobs not us not Battleship Pretension the, the the McCoys versus the Hatfields <laughs> I like to think that it was started by Battleship Pretension um, but since the beginning of time Battleship Pretension has stood up for these pillars of cinema time began four years ago right um, but the uh, you know it's I feel like. That that instinct in the geek fanboy community. I do apologize if that sound. That's the term we're using. I apologize if it sounds they inherently it. negative. They embrace it. Okay, good. I, 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 re- I really think guys, guys, guys that you know snobs such as ourselves <laughs> would uh, would yeah. identify with that label. I, I, they wear it. They wear it proudly. Okay. Well, that's good. Okay, that's good. It's it, somehow it sounded wrong coming out of me, a snob. But uh, <laughs> although it's no problem because I don't want to. <laughs> Defame someone of another social strata. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, the world has crapped on them enough. Twould be film snob genocide. <laughs> oh, well done with your twid. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the instinct that you're talking about of them, that sounds, okay, whatever, I'm going to stop hedging. The, the mentality, Go for it, roll the, with it. The mentality of, of, I would say, putting on airs of... It's still trying to appeal. I'm, to I'm, a, I'm totally getting us really, really frou frou with our with our with our language. <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to be talking about when in the salons when we are commenting on the latest critique. <laughs> Sometimes I come to reproach myself for I get far too. Uh, how does one say? Full of myself. Yes. Uh, I, listen, I've got the word obscurantist in my in my Obscurant. revolver. Ooh, I'm just nice. waiting. For the chance nice. to fire it I'm off. going to deflate it all with the word artsy fartsy. <laughs> but uh, you know, but that's the thing is like this idea of 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 the geeks wanting to appeal to something so that they, as as you mentioned, so that they have credibility in dismissing whatever it is, whether they understand it or not, whatever. But the the this idea that they're appealing to, that they're wanting to embrace, was laid out by the snobs. You know, like, if the snobs had not said, like, you don't know what you're talking about, only I know what I'm talking about. And it's like, uh, I do know what I'm talking about based on your criteria. Behold. And just and so I feel like the snobs are the ones that threw it down in probably the worst possible way. The, yeah. You know. Well, that, I, well I, we're, we're snobs and we're the ones who decided to have this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> we shall address what the geeks have done as crimes <laughs> against humanity. And we will judge them. And then we will hoist them on a petard. <laughs> but the um, uh, I want to bring up another uh, little anecdote, and once again bring up uh, our our friends at the Criterion Cast. Um, they got this is a while back. They got an email, a negative email, which uh, uh, Rudy Obias um, read on the podcast. A scandal. <laughs> Where the email said that um, the guy was listening to the show. He wasn't happy with their uh their ability to analyze or their criticism or whatever that they were too 
in love with all the films, and then the specific phrase that really got my goat and uh, and bothered me was he said, "Criterion Cast is is just uh, an art film version of the Slash Film Cast." Now, I like I like the Slash Film Cast. Well, they model those, themselves very much off of the Slash yeah. Film Cast, as I understand it. So um, I mean, but but I think well, thank you for the compliment. Yeah, I would exactly. say in response to that, um, the most popular film podcast. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of wow. <laughs> But I think, I guess, what I take from that is that, and Tyler and I just um, fairly recently did a whole episode on, um, I say fairly recently because I don't know what the date is that this episode's coming out. In the year Um, 2011. Yeah, sometime in the year 2011. Or as Doug Benson puts it, two oceans 11. (laughs) (laughs) We uh, got to get him on the show. You Um, gotta. uh, um, He's just too damn busy. So, uh, hold on. Uh, We we did an episode on... um, sort of trailers and posters and the idea of anticipating a film and whether that was antithetical to being uh, a critic or a critical film viewer. Mm-hmm. But do you think that anticipating the release of the newest superhero movie or, or you know, the newest uh, uh, movie from the Crank guys, I'm drawing a blank on their Neville name. Neville Dean Taylor. Neville Dean and Taylor. Um, do you think that uh, is it... Is it is it okay to de- to deride that on the one hand, and on the other hand, be um, super attentive and uh, excited for whatever Criterion's going to announce as their releases the next month? Is it just a different kind of film geekery? And I, should the snobs yeah. be more critical and 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 not get so excited about stuff? Well, it's the idea. You know, I mean, we talk about. I'm sorry. Did you want to? No, no, no. Go, go. It's the idea. Well, of, I've been, I've been, I've been drawing a while. Okay, fair. Well, enough. Keep it in your holster. Here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, partner. But, uh, <laughs> I, got, I got it ready. I like this. I like this uh, menagerie of voices you have. Yeah, um, well, I, I've done voice acting. So. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. talk more about that in a minute. Uh, no, off air is what I was going to say. Don't get me started. But uh, I think it's in both cases. It's it's maybe give, it becomes problematic. When you start giving somebody or a whole genre or whatever, when you start giving it a pass, for example, uh, if someone said like, oh, I can't wait for the next, you know, the next Iron Man, it's going to be so awesome. And you're just like, how do you know it's going to be awesome? Uh-huh. Because you of know? the long history of Iron Man films. Exactly. <laughs> However, this one, let's say, let's say Iron Man 2 is great. I didn't think it was, but let's say it was really wonderful. I thought the first Iron Man was great. Let's say the second one was even better. Um... You have, and let's say the uh, John Favreau was coming back. Everything was, it made it st- stood to reason that the third one would be great. And so, just to but then to assume like it's going to be great as we all, as most people assumed. Yeah, because Superman the Four: Sp- The Quest for Peace was amazing. Sp- <laughs> Spider Man Three. A lot of people, including myself, really thought that was going to be. Oh man, here it comes! And then it disappointed everybody. But a lot of people were sort of. Assuming the best about it, which might have made the backlash a little harsher, but like in a way, is that any different than a specific filmmaker? Like, let's say uh, last year, I didn't, I didn't uh, get around to seeing another year. But when I heard, oh, Mike, when I start, started hearing right. like festival buzz about another year, I thought like, oh, Mike Lee, now we're talking. I'm that's going to be awesome, and I'm going to love it. I'm giving him a pass before I ever saw the film. Uh-huh. Admittedly, it's based on. I know my own reactions to his films, but really, how is that any different than someone saying the the next Iron Man film is going to be great? You know, based on how they felt about the Iron Man films previously, and knowing what they know about it, 
You know, I really think we both, I think both camps do it. But somehow, when we attach it to a specific filmmaker, we somehow think ourselves to be better. I, I see it already in the excitement for the Tree of Life. It just oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. absolutely. Well, and, and, and from tons of people that have seen maybe no Terrence Malick movies ever, uh-huh. but have seen a lot of Terrence Malick movie trailers, <laughs> or have like fallen asleep during the Thin Red Line three times, <laughs> or people who pretend that they've seen Days of Heaven. Malick is Malick's one of the guys that I like to cite more than any... That that uh, you know I, I I see guys who are like twenty two twenty three, and have been blogging for like a year and a half and act like they're you know old hands and film scholars and stuff. They like to talk about the Malick aesthetic, and I'm like, how many how many Malick movies have you seen <laughs> beginning to end, or have you just watched the trailer to the New World and and gone, yeah, that's that's a lot of trees. <laughs> it's really pretty and stuff. As we all know, the Malik aesthetic is just a lot of trees. Yeah. Right? Oh my God, leaves. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. No, I mean, I'm, which I'm, is why when Tree of Life was announced, they're oh, like, oh, yeah. it's well, so no. Many- I mean, I'm 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 a big Malik defender. Like, oh, absolutely. I, I, I love uh, Terrence Malik. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that you know there was there was Star Trek the motionless picture, and Terrence Malik <laughs> took up the torch and made lots of other motionless pictures. Um, but I, you know, he 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 makes really wonderful films that. You know, one of the reasons I like I like what the Criterion cast guys are doing is that even though even though it's not full on snob or full on geek, um, they're they're trying to put this stuff out there so that people that might be open to actually watching these movies and learning more about them and becoming better film scholars will actually want to go out and go, yeah, I'm going to spend thirty five dollars on a DVD with a booklet. And yeah. some weird looking cover art. Yeah, there's something to be said for um inspiring people to watch, you know, art house or classic or foreign films out of excitement and not out of a sense of duty or homework. Oh, I have to watch Citizen Kane again. <laughs> yeah. I hate it so much. It is interesting. Uh, Criterion's putting out uh Eva Deloni. I guess I gotta watch another Fellini <laughs> film. Fellini, <laughs> oh for the love of Christ, please. Please, I, Lord Jesus. If you Let don't me a- watch something that isn't in Italian for once. Yeah. Then if you don't approach Fellini that way, if you just watch Eva Deloni for fun, it's a blast. That movie's a blast. It's like a precursor to The Hangover. It's an awesome movie. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you guys seen it. Actually, wait. Yeah. Now that you say that, that's... that's- that's that's pretty brilliant. Yeah, right. I, I mean, have, I'm pretty brilliant. I, have not seen I it. say I fair play, old chap. <laughs> well, well deduced. I uh, I actually have not seen the film, um, but uh, you know. It's, well, then you're lesser for it. Uh, <laughs> See, there we go. Slow down. Exactly. There we go. Uh, I'll be addressing that point in a moment. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing it. I'm teasing it. I felt it coming up. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, and I think I might have lost my point. Okay, it's gone. So right, we'll there, there, was, there, was, there was a funny Englishman voice. A, <laughs> and funny Englishman voice, Loney thank you. And um, but, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I lost it completely. Did you have you. another point uh, holstered? Uh, well, to just go that, back to that. that idea that I know that for myself, that idea of being, you know, the, the problem with snobs and, and, you know, being a part of the snob community, if, if, even if, like myself, you're not an active part of it, is... After a while, you just, uh, I mean, we recently got taken to task 
uh, for not taking films as seriously. Who did, the, who did that to you? And, and <laughs> who email, hurt you? Uh, An email. Who hurt you? I will get them. <laughs> but uh, but he and I actually engaged in a in a nice back and forth, and it was very respectful. He was he was uh, nice about it, but uh, admittedly, it did ruin my Christmas Eve. But that's all right. Um, Wait, this is the guy well, you shouldn't the- check email on Christmas Eve. That's because that's when all the cranks come out. They're like, you know what? I'm lonely. I'm not getting laid. I'm going to write a nasty I've email already to watched this the fellow who stories does a three podcast. God, uh, TNT just won't stop showing that damn movie. I've got to shit on somebody's Christmas, and it's going to be this guy who has a podcast about movies. So you're talking about the guy who said that we... Uh, he's whenever we admit that we haven't seen some classic film, he gets mad at us. Is that what? Uh, or, yeah, not that he gets mad, but that it's just like, oh, really? Then why am you know? Like he loses like faith a, in us because yeah, yeah. Right. Well, you haven't seen the Magnificent Ambersons. Mm. Actually, that's actually on my list. I that's okay. It's all right. It's it's butchered. It's our it's it's a it's a learning process. I I have seen Magnificent Ambersons before I knew about the butcher, and uh, and I remember thinking like it hasn't had a DVD release yet, right? No, not like, in the United no, States. Aha, uh-huh, okay. And so, like, but when it does, I'm just like, uh, I'm very aware that I will be watching a butchered there's, film. There's a Criterion Laserdisc. If you have a Laserdisc player, go over to Amoeba. They have it for, like, eight bucks. I, I don't have a Laserdisc player. Well, How much do those cost? Well, you're lesser for it. No, um, <laughs> I don't have one either. But Otherwise, the, I would have bought it. My good friend and friend of the show, Frank McGrath, the... Uh, Feel my wrath, McGrath. That's what I call him. Frank. Feel my wrath, McGrath. Who does the sound at all our live shows? That's a that's a great wrestling handle. <laughs> yeah. Feel my wrath, McGrath. He's yeah. up on the top rope. And he, he, does he has a he has a beard. So I think he's oh, a laser man. player. Does he really? Yeah. I'll have to keep that in mind. Guys, the heir apparent to Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> feel the wrath, McGrath. He's he's coming at you. <laughs> but uh, the excuse me, and so like. I often so I often am very self-conscious about what I when I express an opinion about my, like for example I've seen one Godard film and it's Band of Outsiders I did not particularly care see. for it a good one personally yeah. um, I respect it but I didn't respond to it partially because it's just like I can't connect to any of these any of these characters which is not necessarily the point but for me personally it's hard for me to connect and so um I'm sh- at some point I will see Breathless. It is on my list of things to see. But at it. the same time, like, also I think you've had a copy of Breathless on VHS. I'm not going to watch long that. As I've known you. I'm not going to watch that copy. <laughs> uh, I I did pop it in once. I'm like, this is grainy as hell. I can't. And it's like, why wouldn't you have white subtitles on a black grainy black and white film? That makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's no- actually one of Ryan's favorite things to complain about is the subtitles on that release. He's like. I don't think there have been more unreasonable, uh, unreadable subtitles in the history of the Criterion <laughs> Collection. I'm like, Ryan, shut up. I think, uh, I kind of agree with Ryan. You, think- you've, got, you've got to work hard to read that stuff. I mean, it's in French for a reason. They're helping you out with giving you <laughs> subtitles. They could not give you subtitles at all. Where would you uh, be? Nah, I, I, I was Ryan. I think, all, I think all subtitles should be yellow. Oh, absolutely. Wow. That's, that's a pretty racist stand to take on subtitles. <laughs> yellow instead of white. Wow. I don't know how I the white subtitles are going to take that. I think that's very forward thinking. But the white subtitles have been in a position of power for way too long. <laughs> and frankly, it's time for the yellow subtitles to <laughs> yeah. rise up and take their rightful place. Um, we're all dancing very closely to actual racism, <laughs> or at least maybe just everything I'm thinking. Oh, that's okay. I saw I saw the black Gestapo at the New Beverly the other night. What is you? You don't know what it is? All right, all right. What, what gonna, is what is what? The Black Gestapo. I don't know okay, about what this. Is I know about right. the New Beverly. All right. Yes, yes, of okay, course. So okay, so the, the, the Black Gestapo take a group of black nationalist guys. Okay. 
Okay, back in the 60s, 70s, okay. that era. Um, these are guys advocating for the these are guys advocating black. for you know let's stand up for our for our community and there are these white guys that are you know running these uh, these crime rings and all this other stuff and and let's let's stand up and take take control of our communities back and similar to the Third Reich, this one guy goes a little bit off the rails and decides he is going to turn them into this kind of fascist militant cult that is going to just run the community in the same way that the white fascist dudes uh-huh. did in the first place. It worked out well to a, up to a point. The Hitler-like guy in the movie is played by Charlie Robinson, who played Mac on Night Court. Got it, yes. Uh-huh. And who was at the screening the other night to introduce it. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, I'd seen the movie a couple years before when he showed it at the Draft House as part of a Cinema Apocalypse event, but it's... It, it, it is a black exploitation movie where these black nationalists basically turn themselves into a black nationalist version of the SS. So it was, and it was made in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, this is where this is where I get my my film snob card revoked because I can't place the exact year. Okay. Um, but um, the movie they played earlier in the night, the Black Six, which is a black uh, black biker gang movie. Okay. Was like sixty nine. I want to say this one was maybe seventy one, seventy two. Now the Black Six is that the one with uh, Mean Fishburne Joe Green and Lawrence Tate, or am I no, thinking no, no. of Biker Boys? You're thinking of <laughs> with a Z. <laughs> yeah, you are thinking of Biker Boys with the Z, as it as it should be. Damn it, David! Someday we are going to do an episode where you do not bring up Biker Boys. <laughs> um, and and I, I was hoping we, this we was didn't we be didn't it. set that up in advance. I just brought up a black biker movie, and well, see if I'd known. Um, Oh, but the point. Oh, so the point that I was revolving was back to the actual that, point was that uh, <laughs> that yeah, I mean, it can be being part of the snob community can be very frustrating for somebody who, you know, I still love movies, but I also, as David and I mentioned, I do, I do other things like with with my life. I I love film. It's it's maybe the thing that I love most in the world, with the exception of my wife. And please note, I just said the exception of my wife. I hang out with my wife a lot, and yeah. we don't always. We just watched the Lavender Hill Mob the other day, and or yesterday, and oh yeah, the Lavender love, Hill Mob. I love that movie, and she was, and she, you know, she's willing to watch these things. Uh, our movie night uh, uh, with our friends, like this coming week, is going to be uh, Into Great Silence, which she recommended. So she also likes movies, Are but at really? the same time, yeah, like <laughs> Into Great Silence is awesome. I. But I can't imagine like late night on a Saturday night getting together with a bunch of dudes to watch Integrate Silence. It's not late. Have you night. seen it? What's this? I have the, not. Do you know what it is? It's a it's, refresh my memory. It's, it's almost three hours long. Okay. And it's a it's a documentary where a guy just uh, spent like a year or something. Uh, it's been a few years since I've seen it uh, at a monastery where there's barely any talking at all. Yeah. And it's just yeah, a documentary yeah. about a monastery. And I saw it at about 10 a.m. at the New Art with uh, just old people. Like it was just me and old people who well, go to the music at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's a great way to take a three-hour nap and feel like you're going out to <laughs> do something. Um, and yeah, that movie is fantastic. But it seems to me like a Sunday morning. At All 10 right, guys, movie. let's break out the Jaeger. <laughs> yeah. Well, this it's, is the same. First off, <laughs> time it's not for the be... monastery documentary. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. It's not going to be that late at night. That's of course as as you were giving me crap for the other day. Uh, our our evening usually starts about seven thirty. Uh, and also, there's the same group that. Uh, yeah. Can I say that on the podcast? Can I uh, talk about how adorably square you are, Tyler? 
Tyler is having a birthday party tomorrow, which, by the way, oh, happy it, birthday, Tyler. It's tomorrow. It's after midnight. It's Tyler's birthday. When Thank you're you listening much. to this, it'll and be the past. Yeah, yes. I'll be, it'll, I'll be uh, approaching 30. Tyler's having a birthday party tomorrow that starts at 7 p.m. on the dot. For the guy who it just became a big deal that you bought a, a pair of jeans, I don't know if uh, calling me square is... Uh, That's right. Another thing, have... listeners, you should know, I went 15 years without wearing denim. We talked about your jeans on the. Uh, I recently wow. bought. You hate jeans. Jay Leno that much? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> wow, he hates all denim. That's bold. And I watch, <laughs> oh, to bring it back, okay, this is going to be of interest to no one but me, but it's really on my mind. But you're going to put it out there for the world yeah. to hear. Let's because hear I go know, get some to eat while he yeah, talks about right, this. Be, okay, I talked a little bit how about about how unpopular hockey is as a sport, but it's the sport that I've decided. You really have you really have a hate on for hockey. Tonight. No, I love hockey. Oh, okay, thing, okay. But I hate that it's so unpopular. But anyway, versus the network that has a contract with the NHL has, after five years of showing NHL games, finally started to have a show dedicated to the NHL. It's just when it became clear that they might lose the contract to ESPN or NBC, they're owned by NBC. Anyway, we should probably what, give a shit about this now, right? Oop. Yeah. So okay, they start. So they start a show, and now they've got okay. Jeremy Roenick, who is a former NHL player and uh, a complete fucking tool. And I know he's very popular in the league, but he played for the Blackhawks, so I'm kind of predisposed to dislike him being from St. Louis. So he's the, he's but, the Rothlisberger of hockey. <laughs> he's, no, he, no, he's not a rapist. He's, just <laughs> he's, he's not a rapist. I mean, we haven't confirmed that. He might be. Uh, he, they, they've been doing be. this show, he NHL Overtime, for a while, and now Jeremy Roenick has joined the group of commentators on the show and it drives me fucking crazy. I hate him. And he wears, like, they're all wearing suits, you know? He's, the other day, he's wearing his suit. He's wearing this ridiculously hideous tie that I can't even, I'm not even going to try to explain. And then he stands up, and he's wearing jeans behind the desk. And it just, I was like, fucking Ronick. I'm glad I wore slacks here tonight. I mean, nobody can see. I'm wearing yeah, a suit. you got a nice uh, wearing wearing a suit. thing going. No, uh, uh, you I, got a what? I, 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 bought, I bought a new pair of sunglasses today, and when, when I'm wearing the sunglasses and not these, um, a friend of mine that I, that I met for dinner earlier said, dude, you look like Mark Dacascos just got hired to play a hitman in something. Like, Mark Dacascos... <laughs> The chairman on Iron Chef USA is going to like go kill someone, <laughs> and he grew a mustache to look more sinister. Okay, um, so listeners, just if you please tell me that someone out there is as annoyed by Jeremy Roenick and I, as I am. I'm furious. Uh, I don't even know who the guy is. I'm furious right now. <laughs> I'm indignant. I, uh, side uh, note, but, uh, th- you clearly look more like Charles Lawton in uh, Island of Lost Souls. Whoa. Uh, anyway. Whoa. I'm saying Moises has a bit of a that's, Kenny Powers thing going on right now, I think. <laughs> La Flama Blanca, man. <laughs> La Flama Blanca. Um, uh, but anyway, to, sorry to for us. that digression. It's been on my mind, and I really uh, I don't have a forum to You finally vent. found a place for it. When I, sh- <laughs> when I showed up to your show, yeah. you had to go on a hockey tangent. But that's no, cool, NHL man. Re- I don't have a forum for NHL-related tangents. So I, it, it's just been building up. He's been on NHL Overtime over we- all week, and it's been driving me crazy. I would venture to say you still don't have a forum. This was yeah. I'm going to cut all this out. <laughs> um, but uh, but to, yeah, to bring it back, like this this kind of uh, the the us and them mentality. I find myself like I I like I don't like because I fall into the group. But I call the snobs to task way more often than I would like the fanboys because we're the ones that set the debate. We're uh-huh. the ones who say if you haven't seen this. I'm not going to bother talking to you, to which someone who hasn't seen it is either going to 
tried desperately to make it seem like they have so that they are allowed at the table. You know, like, I feel like, uh, I don't know, having been on the receiving end of that, even though I'm in the snob community, or maybe I'm not, um, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm more inclined to... I'm more inclined to sympathize with the fanboys than I am the the snobs. Yeah, Was I mean, those final I, thoughts? Yeah, maybe? I, mean, I, I don't. I think we're starting to wrap up here. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not such a big fan of uh, of, of people uh, feeling like they need to really justifiably persecute people for lack of expertise on something because you know maybe maybe you get like knee deep in Yasujiro Ozu movies because you're mm-hmm. a dork like I am, uh-huh. or maybe you're just like the the one of the most authoritative voices on you know punks in film or Roger Corman movies or something like that i mean everybody has their area of interest and specialization i don't think i don't think there's there's a solid justification for um for anybody necessarily going after anybody else for having different tastes what drives me up the wall are people that 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 uh, that put on this uh, this impression of actually knowing what they're talking about when they don't, mm-hmm. so that they can use it as leverage on people. I mean, I that that's that's mm. what that's what drives me nuts. Is and this has happened a few times. Um, not that I'm you know like the leading dude covering Criterion stuff. I mean, I, I took a lot of inspiration from the way that Glenn Kenny covers stuff, the way that Jeff Wells covers stuff. In some cases, in other cases, I throw it out the window. But um. <laughs> You know, there there's such a thing as being influenced by stuff, and there's such a thing as seeing a number of different sites all of a sudden deciding, oh, we're going to have a Criterion column, or we're going to have a revolving mm-hmm. Criterion feature, and I see down to the structure of the articles that I write, um, down to the language that I've used and the terminology that I use for different things, where they just chop out chunks of sentences and they're just kind of inserting other words and they obviously don't know what they're talking about at all, (laughs) but they've never seen a film print of one of these movies projected and they're speaking from a position of authority. That's what absolutely drives me up the wall is when, when it's, when it's not just the self conferral of the status of, Oh, I'm an expert, but also leeching off of somebody else's, pretty well-informed and reasoned work as if they actually know what that person's talking about in the first place. I mean, when, when I see guys that I know for a fact have probably never seen a French film, even recent vintage, uh-huh. even like Amelie, like have never seen one of those actually projected in a theater, and they start talking about, oh, well, you know, the grain structure of this transfer or the audio quality of this just doesn't compare to the theatrical experience when they've never had that experience nor have they wanted to have that experience. That's, that's the thing that really gets to me and, and drives me nuts. And I think what's, what's interesting and you actually, you know, because I think you're a little more plug, you're certainly more plugged than plugged in than I was, but this was something that I was fascinated by. by. Well, yeah. (laughs) Hey, whatever. It's still more informed than I am, but there was, uh, and I don't remember the names, but there was this British guy a uh, young guy who had a the hey you guys dude or something. I don't like remember that. if it was uh, what he, his whole thing was. He, he did the YouTube thing. Is that he what did you're it, he had about? a YouTube yeah, yeah, yeah. movie review thing, and then it was revealed that like his little reviews were, I mean, just lifted completely. Yep. Not it didn't even bother changing 100%. a lot of the words. A hundred percent from various things, and he would mix and match, like 
four different people four different people's articles on one movie and would take this paragraph and that paragraph and then craft a whole new, a whole new thing out of it. It's this evolution of plagiarism that is hilarious in some respects to me and absolutely horrifying in others. And I don't under and what fascinates it, it, it reminds me of something my mom used to say about like how I worked I, I worked so hard on trying to get out of doing work and doing homework. There's like you know the effort you're ta- you're spending expending more effort to do this than it would take to just do the work, and it's that attitude of like. First off, I don't understand how anybody can get to a place, and this is probably going to sound a little judgmental, and it is. Um, I don't see how anybody can get to a place intellectually where they're okay with doing that, where they where they think that this is an okay thing that putting this opinion out there. Even though you don't, you have no conviction behind it because it's not yours at all. Like, how can you get there? And why is the, how how are you okay with it? And it makes me wonder. Like, if you are starting a movie blog or a movie podcast or something like that, and you want to simulate the passion that other people actually have, why not just find something you're passionate about and just do it for real? Like yeah. why even make, why even bother doing it? Well, and uh, again, it, like for me, it comes down to the difference between being influenced by something and whole cloth lifting it and reappropriating it and plugging in different things like a Mad Libs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's something that I, there there's a, a panel that's going to be uh, at, at the South by Southwest Film Festival that that I conceived and got in touch with my friend William Goss from Cinematical, and we worked together on getting a pitch that, you know, made sense as a panel um, that unfortunately I'm not going to be able to be involved with because there's another one that I've got to do for work. Um, but we um, we called it the Blogger Centipede. I had the title for it before mm-hmm. we had, like, the full, like, pitch for it worked out. But the 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 thing that, that that panel is hopefully going to address and be more interesting than the generic movie blogger panel that's at a bunch of different festivals and mm-hmm. is... I hate it when people rip off my exclusive <laughs> posters and variants and whatever. Um, the idea is to get into a discussion about, you know, are are we really doing anything other than eating each other's news and shitting it out and somebody else is eating that and shitting it out and mm. getting derivative upon derivative upon derivative to the point that there really isn't any original content left. I mean, is 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 one of the big reasons that web advertising has gone into the toilet the fact that people are actively avoiding generating original content for their sites in favor of stuff that, you know, with search engine optimization is going to get them more hits off of Google. (laughs) Boom. See, there we go. It comes full circle. (laughs) Um, You know, people that do it for that reason or because they want to, you know, reach out to their readership and be the aggregator to kill all aggregators. Um you know how how do people evolve past needing to endlessly recycle that stuff where people feel like not only they can get away with straight up plagiarism but that they're extra clever for finding a way to disguise it in different ways um you know where they 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 in their mind see it as a competitive thing to go oh well this guy did this list of all these great movies that came out and I'm going to name almost all of the exact same movies in my top list of the same thing, but I'll do it as a podcast and just use paraphrased versions of this guy's article as my script. And I guess the question for me is... I'm sorry, David, you were about to say something. No, I was about to wrap it up. Oh, okay. Uh, The question for me is, 
do people do this? Like, let's say somebody decides they want to do a site that is essentially an aggregator kind of thing. Let's say they they decide I want to do this. Is there like do they? Is there any kind of driving passion that causes somebody to do that, or is it just purely a lucrative kind of thing, or do they start it? Because they're passionate about it, but after a while, like, it gets away from them, or they can't keep up with it, and then they decide, well, in order to keep up at all, I guess I'm just going to have to, I don't have the time, or the energy, or perhaps the talent, to write these things myself, or whatever, so I will find somebody else, and then I'll do it. So it starts as a pl- it starts at a place of passion, and then moves into something else, or does it just start as... Hey, uh, these movie thing, these movie aggregator type things uh, about Hollywood news, uh, they do pretty well as far as internet advertising. I guess I'll start it too. Like, do you know? Uh, do you have an opinion? I'm sure you have an opinion. Yeah, I mean, and and I could I could get I could get pretty vicious with a couple of things, but uh, by all means, go ahead. There, yeah, there, there, there are sites that that I I feel like kind of popped up and um, went directly toward you know what we're going to serve no real specific voices and just be the blandest most digestible version of everything that's out there in the entire movie industry you know we will cover the smallest thing and the biggest thing and we will make friends with everybody that we possibly can to increase our access and how much people like us and we're going to be everyone's best friend and we're Mm -hmm. not going to hate anything and that's how we're going to get some ad network to, you know, pay my rent every month and make it so that I can take my girlfriend out on expensive dates and stuff like that. Okay. There, there are definitely sites that I feel like and people that have paid way too much attention to this shit, you know, that could <laughs> probably be, I don't know, enjoying their lives and doing more productive things at different points. There, there are definitely sites that, that, uh, that would immediately spring to mind for various people in, in that set. There are others that maybe started out with a really interesting hook, a really interesting individualist voice, and found themselves called to the dark side mm-hmm. and lured by, hey, you know, there's money and it's really easy and there's kind of a model in place for how to sucker people into write, writing for free for you to mm-hmm. do this grunt work so that you don't have to do it. We have we have people writing for free. Oh, for you us. got people writing for free. I mean, I wrote for Jeff Wells for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that Eric Snyder won't let me live down. He's like, "How dare you write for free for that horrible demon of a man?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, you know, I, I got a lot out of it. I got a lot of connections out of it. I got I got a, a major benefit out of it. It worked for me." Also, it should be said, Battleship Retention isn't really making any money. Yeah, and you once guys we do. Our bloggers might start seeing might start seeing some money too. Yes, let that uh, be a motivator for you, uh, listeners, to uh, when we do a donation drive. By the time this airs, we might be in the middle of one. I don't know. <laughs> um, to uh, throw us a little something, yeah, that's because that. it goes into the hands of the bloggers and us. Yes, and <laughs> the overlords. <laughs> um, but that, I mean, that's that's the thing is is establishing something of an individual individual voice. And one of the things that I like about um, the way that that uh, that Ryan does a lot of the the content management on on Criterion Cast mm-hmm. is that there are certain things that he goes, you know, why the hell should we, you know, put look here's Thor poster number four. None of our readers really care about that. Right. They don't come to our site for that stuff. Why are we going to start catering to another audience just in the interest of I don't know, you know, making it into the IMDb News role so that when somebody goes to look at you know, the Thor IMDb page, one of our links is on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that'd be a whole lot of hits, but why? Who cares? 
Right. You it's, know? it's very interesting. Once we, without specifying any company names or anything, but once we got on the list for various press screenings for, for company, companies and studios, we started getting, you know, my mailbox became full. That sucks. Of, oh, my God. Of like, hey, here's some promotional materials. Here's this and this and this. And part of me is like, well, I just wanted to be on the list for a press screening so I could review it. Oh, I guess it seems like, I guess it's, it's all the same thing from for a lot of websites. It's, yeah, it's like would we'll you like an it, exclusive but... interview with up and coming starlet blah 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 from Gossip Girl? <laughs> Why? Yes, you I like thirty seven seconds of unreleased footage from Rango? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when uh, in uh, doing all the home video stuff that I get, you know, I will get uh, attached. You will find an interview with Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> talking about this, and here are all these questions. Feel free to use them however you want. Please send as many links to us using this. As humanly possible. Uh-huh. And then a reminder email comes a week later. By the way, in case you haven't used this yet, right. you might want to use some of these completely generic interview points from Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Feel free to paraphrase. And I, I do feel like uh, we might have uh, started talking about the internet in general, but it does it makes me wonder, like, what would the snob reaction be? Let's say, are, are there aggregators of independent like indie film news or foreign film yeah, news what or whatever is i mean is that what indie, okay yeah, yeah. i mean they they've they've got this network of blogs and they've got them all networked together and and kind of catch uh the vast majority of the indie film world news okay. in that network and they they handle a lot of mainstream stuff too but but i you know i'd say that they're they're probably the the king of the indie film and foreign film world aggregators okay. well i'm going to i'm going to step in at this point and try okay. to corral this whole scattershot conversation we've Indeed. had back into the topic and wrap things up i think the way i would sum things up is that the battleship retention recommendation is that you be be passionate about what you're passionate about and don't waste too much of your energy worrying about the things that you're not passionate about mm. if you're and if you're more on the geek side uh, and these other films don't speak to you, don't spend your time forcing yourself to see them. And and, 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 and If you don't uh, want to see Battleship Potemkin, <laughs> right, yes. you don't have to watch Battleship Potemkin. And, if and, you want to be awesome, yeah. Yeah, you probably should. You should Damn probably right. see it, right. Uh, and inversely, if you're a film snob, don't waste your energy deriding all the, uh, you know, superhero genre action explosion films that are out there and their fans they're not they're not for you we could be better people and we could be a better community as film fans if we focus on what we like and not what we don't like and it's 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 something that we all including myself need to fight is this idea that i need to prove myself to whoever this might be and it's always going more than me i'm pretty happy with myself very much so (laughs) and incidentally i brought up i brought up this exact concept in okay i'm a movie snob and i wrote a uh, an article about the riddler that brings up this exact thing oh i'll have, so, to, I'll have to read that indeed i tweeted it i'll have to read it. see you can it's all about bridging uh, bridging that barrier david so moises thank you Absolutely. for joining Thanks us on the so show much for having me this and, has been a great conversation giving me something to do while in los angeles big scary los angeles <laughs> are you enjoying your trip uh, yeah, as much as i can in scary los angeles <laughs> <laughs> i, I want to run back to the warm loving arms of austin as soon as i can well, right now you're in terrifying north hollywood oh, oh my god it's pretty frightening hollywood's all around me <laughs> it's closing in <laughs> um, which 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 brings to mind something that i i think it'd be fair to offer out is uh you know there there are these classic films that people say you haven't seen blah 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 uh-huh I have never seen Vertigo. 
Oh, that's a good one. That's on my. That's probably... I've seen. I've seen Frenzy and Marnie and all this other Hitchcock stuff that you know isn't quite considered like the top tier yeah. of everything, undeservedly. But uh, yeah. but you know, I, you know, I I I I uh, I talk about all kinds of obscure Japanese and French stuff and 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 things like that, and and there are big titles like that that I just haven't seen. Well, um, all right. Well, I guess we're not using this episode. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, this, this I, asshole doesn't know anything. I don't remember exactly what back for our one year anniversary three years ago. We did our top ten films of all time, mm-hmm. or, and I think Vertigo was at least at the very least an honorable, honorable mention for me. If not, it's one of the ones that keeps eating 10. at me that I that I that I snob out on myself. Where I'm like, what what is wrong with you? Well, I who are you? While we're in the while we're doing this, while we're doing. Uh, I mean, it's Friday now. We're doing Fess Up Friday. Fess Up Friday. <laughs> um, Pioneered by Mr. William Goss. I like to give him credit. Lots of people have reappropriated it. I think he invented it. Okay. Well, while we're doing Fess Up Friday, I should say I've never seen the 400 Blows. Even I've seen that, David. I know. Oh, boy. I'm ashamed of you. I feel <laughs> slightly better about uh, Seven Samurai. Okay. Well, on that note... Uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com or on iTunes. You can email us, david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thepretension or follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter.com slash morelessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review podcast, previously on at previouslyonshow.com or on iTunes. Which says, where can people find you on the Internet? You can find me on badassdigest.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at Moises Chu, M-O-I-S-E-S-C-H-I-U. Try to type that in while you're listening. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you uh, for joining us, Moises. This has been fun. Thanks and again for having me. Thank you all for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.